so we're in this book of Exodus, and, and we're doing it as a way to prepare for Easter. And so uh, the book of Exodus, this is a story uh, that the New Testament writers frame the death and resurrection in. And so in order to, de- to uh, really understand uh, what the death and resurrection of Jesus is about, you really need to understand the narrative of Exodus. And so we're going through the narrative on the way to Easter. And uh, today we're going to pick up the story in chapter 2, verse 11. Now, you remember last week we looked at Moses' mother. And Moses' mother, in a very desperate situation, she put her little baby in a basket, floated Moses down the Nile. And she was out of options. She was absolutely desperate. But we saw there that she exercised an enormous amount of faith. Moses' mom, Moses' mother, was a woman of faith, a woman of great faith. And here we see in, uh, in verse 11, Moses has grown up. It says, verse 11, that one day when Moses had grown up. And so there's a, there's a time lapse between verse 10 and verse 11, 40 years between uh, the beginning of this chapter and the verses that we're going to look at today. So Moses is 40 years old. Uh, Moses is an adult. And what we're going to see is that Moses has grabbed hold of his mother's faith. Moses is a man of faith just the way his mother was a woman of faith. And so uh, what the New Testament writers tell us is that this story of Moses and what he does in this story is, is really a picture of faith and what faith looks like. And I think it's actually a pretty unusual picture of what faith looks like because a lot of times what we think, when we think about faith, we think of, you know, uh, faith is something that leads you to higher levels of God's blessing. You know, higher levels of prosperity. You know, uh, uh, faith puts you on an upward path. Uh, I remember reading a, a, a book by a health and wealth uh, preacher one day. I was in Barnes & Noble. I picked up this book. I think it was called Your Best Life Now or Your Riches Now or, or something like that. At the very beginning of the book, he said, I was standing in front of a million-dollar home. And I looked at this home, and, and sort of sadly, I looked at my wife and said, man, we'd never, we could, I love that house. We could never live in a place like that. And his wife chided him and said, this is a lack of faith. Believe, man. And he said, you know, God didn't give me that house, but he gave me one that was far bigger and far better. He says, my faith led me on an upward trajectory. Now, I don't doubt that sometimes faith does lead you into God's blessing. Many of you have believed God for a miracle. You know, you've believed God for blessing, and and truly your faithfulness, your faith has led you into, uh, you know, a great job, maybe a great neighborhood or whatever. But just as often, probably more often, faith puts you on a downward trajectory, right? There are stories in the Bible like Joseph. Think about Joseph. He spent the first part of his life as a slave and then as a prisoner, but through his faith, he ended up in Pharaoh's palace. But there are other stories of faith, and this is the story of Moses. Moses' faith led him downward. He started out in Pharaoh's palace, and his faith led him into a place called Midian. Now, uh, Midian is not a great place. You know, I was looking at a picture of Midian, and it looks like, have you seen uh, the, uh, the, the photo of Mars from the, uh, the Viking rover up there? You know, there's rocks and dust and sand and nothing growing. This is Midian, right? You know, if you look at livability, you know, some cities have liv- livability scores. You know what the liv- livability of Batesville is? Anybody know? 77, which is pretty livable. Uh, it's, it's extremely livable according to the livability score. But if, if, uh, if Midian had a livability score, it would be like minus 100. Moses' faith brought him from Pharaoh's palace out to Midian. 
And here's the point that I think we learned from Moses' story. It's, it's a point about faith. What does this tell us about faith? It says that here's a radical suggestion in, in modern American culture. Sometimes exercising faith may cost you something. Exercising faith may put you on a downward trajectory. Your faith may lead you to Midian instead of the palace. And we're going to see what that looks like for for Moses here. And so uh, we're going to look at Moses' faith. I want to break the story down into three different pieces. Uh, First of all, we're going to see Moses' choice. Uh, Moses makes a choice here in the first part of the story. And then we're going to see Moses' faith. And then finally, we're going to see Moses' God. And so as he goes downward, as he moves out to Midian, we're going to see Moses' choice, his faith, and his God. Three things. So first, uh, let's look at his choice. Verse 11 says, Now one day when Moses had grown up, so like I said, he's 40 years old, he went out to his people and he looked on on, on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a, a Hebrew, one of his people. And he looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together and he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? And he answered, Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to strike me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. And Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. So first we're going to see Moses' choice here. And uh, in order to see his choice, we have to see the privilege that this man lived in. So uh, he, he's grown up in Pharaoh's house. And by this time, he's been schooled in Egyptian schools. He's living in the palace. And, it, and what uh, Hebrew says is that, that Moses here, <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to move back my notes here. Moses here was known by a royal designation. So at this point, it says that Moses was known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Right? So this is who he is. A title of self-conscious dignity. Right, so this is, uh, this is who he's called. He's the son of Pharaoh's daughter, daughter, which is an official title. And you want to think of this nowadays, it would be something like the Duke of York, right? You know, a very prestigious title. Or CEO of Google, right? You know, something that you'd be proud of this title, you know? You, it was something that would give you uh, inherent status, right? A, a source of identity and self-worth. You know, Moses, when he walked around, he'd say, you know, I'm the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's who I am. Right? It was the source of his identity. It made him feel good about himself. It made him somebody in this, in this culture. Uh, he was also a man who was incredibly gifted. And so, like I said, he was schooled in all the wisdom of, of Egypt, is what the book of Acts tells us. And uh, Egypt was a, it was, it, was way, it was a very advanced society, way ahead of its time, in terms of knowledge of astrology, knowledge of Uh, engineering, knowledge of philosophy. I mean, Egypt was a place of incredible learning. And Moses was being reared in the best of schools in Egypt. So learning, but he was also not just educated. He was also incredibly gifted. At one point says, or uh, Acts 7 says that Moses was a man of great, who was mighty in word and deed. What does this mean? This means that he was, he was a man who had oratory skills. He could speak. Right? He was very articulate, but he also was a man, who, a man of deeds. He was a leadership guy as well. So he could speak. He could also lead. You know, some people are good speakers. They're good teachers. 
but not great executors and leaders. And some people are really good at ex- executing and leading, but not very good at speaking. Moses had it all. I mean, he could, he could speak and he could do. A man of, who was mighty in word and in deed. Incredible promise. In fact, Josephus says uh, that Moses, and we don't know if this is true or not, but Moses was being groomed to be the next pharaoh in Egypt, is what, it, what Josephus said. So incredible uh, future ahead of this guy. He was also in his prime, so he was 40 years old. Now, um, I think that's probably a little bit below the prime because I'm 44, and I kind of view myself as in my prime. But he was 40 years old, and what this means is that he was, right, he was at that age where he had some experience, but he still had energy, right? And uh, have you seen that commercial? It's kind of an older commercial now, but there's three men interviewing for a job. There's the man with white hair, and then there's the man with brown hair, and then there's the man with salt and pepper, right? A little bit gray and brown. And the, the interviewers come out, and they look at the man with gray hair and say, man, he's got a lot of experience, but not a lot of energy. And then the guy with the brown hair, a lot of energy, but not a lot of experience. And then there's the guy with a little bit of gray and brown in his beard, experience and energy. This, Moses was in his prime, at the, in the prime of his life, 40 years old. He had tremendous promise, and he was, he was in a place where he could set up his family for success, right? So imagine Joseph, right? Joseph was brought into Potiphar's house, and he set up his family for success for several generations, and Moses is in that place. He's in a place of wealth and privilege. If he gets married and has children, he sets up all of his children to be reared in the best schools. All of his children to be, to, to be reared in a place of, of uh, prosperity. Right, so he's in a situation where he is set up for life. I mean, most of us would just love to be in a position like this, where Moses was. He had it all, privilege, power, Wealth, education, gifted, he had it all. But we see here in verse 11 that Moses makes a choice. He's presented with a choice. And he, it says one day he was, uh, Moses, as after he was grown, uh, he, it says he looked on the burdens, on their burdens of his people. He looked on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. Right? And so Moses, you know, we don't know if this, if this happened immediately or if this happened over time, but it says that Moses, Moses began to notice the burdens of the, peop- of the Hebrews in Egypt. He began to notice their slavery. He began to notice their suffering. And maybe he didn't see it before. You know, he's 40 years old now. Maybe he didn't notice it before, but something struck him. His eyes were opened, and, and he's moved by, by the suffering of the Hebrews there in Egypt. And he's wrecked by it. His heart is broken by it. And again, we don't know if this happened immediately one day. He just came out. Maybe he saw something that just broke his heart. Or maybe it was over time that he began to see this. But he began to see the burdens of of the people of Israel. And uh, we we need to know that that this same word see, he saw their affliction, is the same word at the end of the chapter when it says that God saw their affliction. Moses at this age gets gets in touch with the heart of God. And he's moved by the slavery of the people, of the, of the Hebrews in Egypt. And I believe that at this point, two things hit him simultaneously. Two things hit him right at once. Number one, he, he realized, first and foremost, he realized this. I, I see this, I see this suffering, and I, I, he realized I am in a unique position to do something about it. Right, Moses was in a very unique position here. He was a Hebrew, 
These were his people. He was also very familiar with Egyptian culture. He was in the ideal situation to help these people. He knew Egypt. He knew their situation. God had groomed him to such a point that he was uniquely able to help these people. And this is a side point, but, you know, this is the way you discover your calling. You know, what, what is God uniquely, uniquely uh, preparing you for? What can only you do? What problem can only you solve in this world? You know, there are some hands that only you can hold. There are some wounds that only you can heal. And you discover your calling when you realize, I've been prepared to do exactly this. And I, I'm the only one who could do this. And so Moses comes to the realization, I can, he- I can help. I could do something here. But then he, he, simultaneously, he came to another realization. That, is, that if he did step into this calling, if he did step out to help the Hebrews, he stood to lose absolutely everything. This is Moses' choice. It's pressed upon him. Here are the Hebrews. They're in a horrible situation, and I am uniquely situated to do something about it. But if I do, it's going to cost me everything. Moses looks this way and that, and he steps off the ledge. He makes this decision for God's calling to follow the God of Israel, but, but to do that, he had to lose everything that he had there in Egypt. And here's the point. Sometimes following God, the decision to follow God's call in your life will cost you something. This is the way the book of Hebrews puts uh, Moses' choice. It says, uh, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So here he is. There's the pleasures in Egypt, all the, the wealth and all the food and all the privilege on one hand. And then there's Midian over here. And Moses chooses Midian over all the pleasure in Egypt. He chooses the downward path of faith. Now, there, I think in some ways, uh, Moses' choice here will become the paradigm for future generations of God's people. Uh, I, I think that almost every single person, maybe in this room, every person, at some, when you follow God in your life, every single one of us will be faced with a decision like this. Maybe not as radical, maybe not as extreme, but all of us stand to lose when we follow God. Jesus was always really good at, at throwing this out there. You know, Jesus would always say, hey, come follow me. And then on uh, the very next breath, he would say, and if you do, count the cost. Because if you're going to follow me, you need to lose your life, is what he would say. Remember there was one day, who, who, there was a man who came up to Jesus and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus looked at him and he said, foxes have holes, bird ha- birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What was he saying? He said, sure, you could follow me, but you are going to have to give some things up. You're going to have to deny some things if you want to follow me. There's a cost to discipleship. There's a cost to exercising faith. And Jesus said this, and I think probably uh, his disciples were like, no, Jesus, this is bad marketing. 
<laughs> you know, Jesus, talk more about the living water and the bread of life. And, it, uh, you know, oh, talk about that, Jesus. Could you tone down the cost and the birds of the air and no nests and things like that? But Jesus was being honest here. And we've got to be honest that the call to faith often leads us into a downward path where, where we will, it will cost us to follow God in his calling on our lives. And I think in some ways this is true because of the culture that we live in. I mean, think about Jesus' culture. You know, he was, he was in this oppressive culture where they were dominating these Hebrews. And Moses was like, man, I cannot follow God and be in this culture. I've got to go against the grain. I've got to go upstream if I'm going to f- follow God here. And to do that always is costly. Uh, Kent Hughes puts it this way. He says, true faith will announce its discord whenever God and conscience call for it. Believers can love their culture, and there is much to love in most cultures. But they will refuse to be identified with the godless zeitgeist or the spirit of the age. If you're going to follow God, if you're going to go in God's way, there, it is going to cost you. You are going to go upstream. There will be points where you will be in opposition to everything in your culture. And maybe some of you today are at a precipice where you are making a decision that's for God, but also is very, very costly. I was listening to a, a guy talk this past week when I was thinking about this, and I want to camp here for a little bit because I think that we, we all make small decisions like this all the time. And this guy was saying, he was a, he was a preacher, and he was a very athletic man, and uh, his name was Craig Rochelle, if you know who he is. He's this big, buff, you know, athletic dude. And he has two sons who are also very, very athletic. He said they're both incredibly good at baseball, just really good baseball players. And he said that they had an opportunity to play for a a very prestigious league, an elite baseball league. And he said, you know, my son, I mean, they're athletic, they're incredibly good. This was an incredible opportunity. He said the only problem was that every single game was on a Sunday. And he says there was no way that my faith would allow me to, to, to not go to, to allow them to miss church every single Sunday for a season. He said no to the elite baseball league in order to follow the call of his faith. He wasn't saying everybody had to do that, but he said this is what it cost me to follow God. And all of us make little decisions like that. Maybe it's staying in a marriage. You know, staying in a marriage is hard. And maybe the pleasures of Egypt are, for you, they represent the pleasure of just getting out of this thing. But then there's following God and doing the hard thing. And sometimes your faith leads you to stay in a difficult situation. Or maybe you're, you're young, maybe you're a college student, and, and uh, you know, you really want to sleep with your girlfriend. You know, you're, you're, you're not married to her, you want to sleep with your girlfriend, and it's so hard to say no to that, but sometimes your faith leads you to say no to all the fleeting pleasures of Egypt. So Moses' faith led him to make the hard choice here. I think he sets, he, he sets the paradigm, he sets the example for future generations of God's people to do the same thing. All of us, you know, every day, every week, we make small decisions for faith, but maybe against the pleasures of sin in this world. 
So Moses' choice. But then let's ask the question, how did Moses do this? I mean, you might be in a situation where you, you are faced with a decision, and it's really hard to say no to that elite baseball league. Or it's very hard to maybe say no to that promotion that might come with some compromise. I mean, how do I say no? How do I choose faith rather than, you know, temporary pleasure? Well, what Hebrew says is that the way Moses did this was by faith. And so we're going to look briefly at Moses' faith. The way that Moses was able to say no, the way Moses chose this path, was through trusting God. It was through, it was through putting his faith in the God of Israel. But what does that look like? I mean, this, this story, you know, in Exodus doesn't really show us exactly how he did that. We kind of need to know how. Right? If he did it by faith, what did that faith look like? Well, Hebrews 11 tells us what the faith looks like. It says here in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, rather 26, it says, uh, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth, or greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the, the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So this is a, a description of the faith that it took Moses to make this decision. And notice there are some verbs that describe this faith. I mean, what does this faith look like? How do I, how do I exercise it? Well, notice first, the first word there that describes it is that Moses considered. In order to make this hard choice, it says that Moses, is, by faith, he considered. And this is the first thing that faith do, does. It considered. This is a mathematical word. This is a calculating word, this word considers. It means to assess. Moses assessed the value of things. And he says, here's all the wealth in Egypt, and then here's suffering affliction with the people of God. And by faith, he assessed that suffering affliction was greater value than all the pleasures of Egypt. And so faith, by faith, what we need to do is assess the value, the true value of things in our life. One of my, uh, my favorite shows, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, this is not a hipster show, you know, like Man in the High Castle. This is not, this is not uh, you know, Stranger Things. One of my favorite shows on Netflix is The Antique Road Show. So uncool. Some of you are like, yeah, pray, you know, you know it, it's, it's a cool show, but if you haven't seen the show, this is what you're missing. Okay, someone brings in this old antique. It's like an old watch or an old clock or an old table or something, and it looks like this total piece of junk, you know, with dust all over it and cobwebs and everything, and they go to the assessor, the expert, the someone who really knows what things are worth, and he takes the, the old, uh, you know, antique, and the person assesses it and says, guess what? This old thing that you found in your basement, $10 million, and the person dances around, woo, you know? And what is that person doing? This person is an expert assessor. He knows the value of things. And this is what faith does. Faith looks at your life and you assess the true value of things. What is worth more? Following God and his call on your life? Following Jesus? Maybe suffering affliction because of it? Or all the pleasures of this world? Faith is going to say there is something more valuable there. Faith assesses value. And some of us, our values are all out of whack. You know, we really care about things that are really not important to God. You know, the, the most important things in your life, money, prestige, and power, God's like, I don't care about that. What's more important to me is faithfulness and following me and serving others. And faith it recognizes, faith sees the true value of things. 
And there are plenty of people who have wrongly assessed their life. Things that are passing and temporary are everything to them. But faith knows the true value of things. And therefore, so often that leads them to make the hard choices. And other people look at them and say, how could they do that? How did you give that up? And he says, oh, I knew the true value. I, I assessed, I calculated with my faith, with my eyes of faith. And there's another thing here in this verse. It says that Moses saw. That's another thing he did. He considered, he calculated, but it also says that he saw the reward. He says that he saw, he was looking to the reward and by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured seeing him who is invisible. Here's another thing faith does. This is how faith makes the hard choice. You see the invisible reward. Faith sees the invisible reward. Now some of you are like, invisible reward? That doesn't sound good at all. You know, imagine having, being in some competition. You know, when you win the competition, you go up to the podium and they say, here's your reward. And you're like, where is it? And they say, it's an invisible reward. Like, no, I don't, who wants an invisible reward? You know, I want a real reward that I can see and handle, right? But by faith, Moses saw the invisible reward. In other words, for, for Moses, there was something far more valuable. There was a reward far bigger than all the wealth in Egypt. Moses saw beyond what one philosopher calls the imminent frame of this world. He saw beyond the temporary pleasure. He saw beyond what was right in front of his face. He saw beyond, you know, the, that, you know, that promotion or that, you know, prestigious softball league. He saw beyond it and he says, my life is about something bigger. My life is about, I have a, there's a purpose for my life that is bigger than all the wealth of Egypt. And by faith we realize that, that, our, that our lives are about something bigger. When you know your life is about something bigger, it will cause you to leave a lot of lesser things, won't it? One of my favorite stories is the, uh, the story of um, Jim Elliott. You guys know Jim Elliott? And uh, Jim Elliott grew up in, uh, he's the husband of Elizabeth Elliott. He's a great missionary. He grew up in Portland, cool city. He grew up in, uh, in wealth. Uh, he was, just like Moses, he was very bright. You know, he was a great orator. He's president of his school. He, when he graduated, he was, uh, he was offered, you know, scholarships to the best universities. And, and Jim Elliott makes the decision to move to Honduras and become a missionary which completely freaked out his parents. And it might freak out some of you parents if your very bright child rejects a scholarship to do something like that. But in his journal, Jim Elliott wrote one day, he is no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. He had eyes, he saw the invisible reward. He saw that his life was about something far bigger than money, or power, or platform, and he was willing to lose it all. So faith sees the invisible reward. Another thing faith does is it endures. Notice it says that he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So what happens to Moses here? You know, he makes the, this decision. He goes from the palace in, in Egypt, he goes out to Midian there, and, you know, how long was he there in Midian? 
negative 100 livability score. How long did he live in this place that looked like Mars? He lived, in, he lived there for 40 years. And you've got to believe that he probably thought, is this worth it? What am I doing? You know, I, g- I made this decision and I gave it all up and I thought God was going to use me to liberate his people and I'm sitting here in, on the, the planet Mars, right? What am I doing? And maybe you're sitting here saying, I- I'm in this marriage and I've been here a long time and, and do, really do I have to, you know, how long do I have to wait? But faith endures, the reward is out there, and sometimes that reward, de- reward doesn't come immediately like us Americans like it to. Sometimes you need to wait and endure. And faith seeks reward, and it counts the cost, and it moves in that direction. In endurance. And so where in your life is God calling you to do this? You know, sometimes faith, I would like to say that faith always, you know, leads you to a place of blessing and prosperity and easier life and comfort and all that. But sometimes faith leads leads you to a a smaller platform. Sometimes faith leads you into downward mobility. Sometimes faith leads you into leaving a relationship. And all of us make small little decisions like that all the time. And we do it by faith. You've got to see the reward. But let me make one final point. I'm almost done. Uh, notice the final thing that we see in the passages is, is Moses is God. What I think is so interesting about the passage is that um, Hebrews tells us that this is a story of a man who exercised incredible faith. But when you actually look at the story, it looks like a man who made an, an enormous failure. And when you look at the commentary, some of them talk, say, this is a story of faith. And other commentators say, no, this is a story of Moses' failure. Because what did Moses do? Well, Moses, he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to liberate God's people. And what did he do? He murdered somebody. He murdered the Egyptian. That wasn't a good thing to do. He looked this way. He looked that way. He knew this wasn't right. Moses committed a murder. And the commentators say that he went out to Midian to pay for it. <laughs> right? God was teaching him a lesson. But Hebrews says this is a story of faith. So which is it, a story of failure or a story of faith? I think it's a story of both. And I think it teaches us something very important about faith. Because you might be listening and saying, well, Brent, I, you know, I can't exercise those decisions that Moses made. I don't know that I could do that. I don't know that I can do that. But listen, look, look at the story. This decision was pressed on Moses, and it happened in the midst of his bumbling and messing things up and committing a murder. And so if you have failed, if you do find yourself struggling, notice that faith so often, the journey of faith so often, includes failure. All of us have broken, weak faith. And that doesn't disqualify you. And even if you have failed and you have blown it, you can still exercise faith. In fact, your failure might be just the opportunity for you to exercise faith. And this is why ultimately the story points beyond Moses. I think ultimately this story points to how good God is. Because God could look at a man like Moses and he could look at us and all of our struggling and say, you know what? I can make a man of faith out of that person. I could make a woman of faith out of that person. 
And he does it through Jesus. I think ultimately this story points to the greater Moses. You know, Moses left the Pharaoh's palace, but Jesus left the palace of, of his heavenly father. Moses went down to Midian, right, negative livability, but Jesus Christ left heaven and came down into this earth. Now, compared to heaven, the, the livability of the planet earth is pretty low, isn't it? But Jesus made that decision. Moses was rejected by his brethren. They rejected him after he committed that murder. Jesus was, he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. Jesus' decision to save us was a zero-sum game. In order to, to save us, he had to lose everything, just like Moses. And through what Jesus has done for you, through what Jesus Christ has done for you as the greater Moses, he can turn your failure into faith. And in all of your weakness, you know, in all your bumbling and all your, I don't know that I can do this. Listen, Jesus Christ has died and rose for you. And he can enable you to take the downward path. So let's pray today. Father, we thank you so much for this story of this man. And God, many of us are, are at a precipice this morning where we are making decisions, our lives, our lives are the sum total of this, the decisions that we make. And God, uh, many of those decisions are costly. And yet, God, we pray that you'd give us courage like Moses had, Lord, to, to choose to follow you, to choose to deny ourselves, maybe to, to give something up in order to be used by you and to follow your call. And God, this morning as we take communion, we pray that you would remind us of the greater Moses who died so that our failure could be turned into faith. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of the power that we have uh, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.